Welcome to The Author Life, a limited edition podcast series featuring Jeff Elkins, where we document Jeff's journey from a desperate author to a thriving small business owner. Welcome to episode one of the podcast. I'm just going to do a quick overview of what you're going to hear, and then we'll get right into the conversation between myself and Mr. Jeff Elkins. In this episode, uh, we start off by talking about The One Thing by Gary Keller and uh, how you can use that to start getting some clarity on your business idea. I introduced Jeff to the Business Model Canvas, uh, an incredibly powerful one-page tool that uh, I've, I used for years as a teacher of entrepreneurship. Uh, Jeff will talk about the importance of the feedback he received from his first uh, seven free client sessions that he did. Uh, and then we, we dig into the Business Model Canvas. We talk about the value proposition, or a better way to frame that question is, why you? What is special about you? And we also discuss the difference between you and I slash we in sales copy. So this is the beginning of the in the weeds journey of uh, the creation of the Dialogue Doctor. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. The resources you gave me were freaking amazing. You're a beast, man. I was going to go over that today and you're already into it. <laughs> I'm sorry, get out of it. Dude, okay, so like honest vulnerability. I, um, I opened up the Word Doc this morning to like see... Uh, what question I was like, I got to come up with the question I'm going to ask Jay and like what I'm going to, and you had already like done crap in there and I got so excited. Um, <laughs> so I have a history of being um, too much for people at times. Um, like my first job, they called me the tornado. <laughs> not because, yeah, not because like I'm like destructive like I'm, I'm super not destructive, but it was because like I was moving so fast with things that like yeah. somebody would have an idea and I'd have like the building built like yeah. as we were mid conversation. I was like, oh, it's done. Oh, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I've been called the Tasmanian devil because I like spin around and like do everything in one. Um, so to see somebody like, so anyway, all that to say, I'm always self-conscious that I'm either like moving too fast or and like exhausting people especially in change management work. Like that was a huge problem was moving. I would move. So when I was younger, move so much faster than the people around me. And yeah. like, I had to learn in my twenties, like slow down and let people process, like yeah. let them. Um, and it's never mentally. It's always emotionally. Like yeah. as somebody who's like a little emotionally unhealthy, which I'm sure we can talk about some other time, we realize, <laughs> Jeff, but like, I never, I don't have that lot while well, I have it. I run through emotional barriers. Like my response to fear is to like, you know, smash myself through the wall. Um, so I don't, I just don't stop at them. And um, I have had to train myself to like, okay, other people need to stop and emotionally process what's happening. <laughs> So yeah, all that to say, I opened up the word doc and I was like, Jay's going to move in my face. This is awesome. <laughs> I was like, yay. So yeah, I took an hour. I downloaded the book. I read the 74 free pages. Um, they were amazing. I was really uh, frustrated that like I didn't have that when I started writing fiction because oh my gosh, so yeah. many. Yeah. <laughs> so many mistakes and immediately realized that like I ha I immediately so they they have the I want you to talk me through it because I yeah. think I think there's huge value in learning um so I'll I will shut up now um so yeah walk <laughs> me through it 
<laughs> All right, so let's, well, first let me uh, kind of tell you what my approach is, and I want to I want to make sure that you're you're cool with this. Um, I, I I'm resisting the urge. I, I'm a guy where like, oh my god, you got to read this book. Oh my god, you got to read this book. And I go like, yeah. people only have so many hours. I can't just keep keep dumping books on you. So I'm I'm holding back now. But I think at some point, having you read the one thing by Gary Keller is probably a good idea. I have it upstairs, so <laughs> I'll go read it. Yeah. All right. So um. What I'm going to try, I'm cheating a little bit. And I, and I thought what we could do is focus on one thing at a time, but in three different areas of your business. Okay. So the first area is internal. So this, this could encompass everything from your, your business procedures, your, um, your financing, your budgets, your ad spend. This is all inside the factory. Okay. That kind of stuff. The next, the next bucket is the external. So here's, this is definitely what we're talking about, you know, website, um, gotcha. you know, the sales copy, lead generation, email list building, everything that's outward facing. Okay. And then the third one, there's a big, you'll notice there's a bit of crossover here, but the third one is your, your service and your clients. Okay. Um, so this is, you know, how are you, how are you working with clients, your, um, your packages, your retention, um, gotcha. everything was kind of focused on the people who were paying you. Gotcha. And what I thought we could do, and it doesn't have to be one week at a time, but we could, we could focus on one of those for each category okay. so that you're not overwhelmed. Because if you're like me, you, you, well, you just said you are like me. Like I, when I start something, I want to finish it five minutes later. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and there's, there's going to be a lot and, uh, and you're not gonna be able to do that. You, you know that. So mm. I figure if we kind of take it one, one step at a time with the one thing. I think that's a good way to, to move forward. I love it. I think it's great. Cool. And I'm, I'm 100% into following your lead. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, do you want to, do you want me to talk about some of these first or do you want to start with one of your questions that you came up with? Um, I want to, I want to scrap my questions and talk about one of these first. Okay. Because uh, my immediate realization in reading the chart in the book you sent was that I'm already focused on channels and on like on what I'm providing and how I'm connecting before I even know who I'm connecting to or what the value offered that I that I'm yes. giving. Right? Like, so like I've skipped the big questions and I've gone to like the practical of like I'm gonna build a website. Like you know. So, <laughs> yes. like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I can't tell you how many times in my entrepreneurship classroom we had to tell kids were building apps before they yeah. had their archetype. And I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And it's going to yeah. have a menu and the menu's going to pop up to the right. And I'm like, That's whoa, right. you're yeah. too far down one path. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So my, all that is like, my questions are coming from a bad place. So let's, <laughs> not let's problem. go your place. All right. Not, not a problem. So let's, um, let me think here. Let me see. I can I think that the best thing to do would be probably have me pull this up and I'm going to share it. And so we can both see it and then we'll talk through it. Awesome. Uh, let me see here. There we go. Okay. Uh, share is this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, you seen it. Okay, cool. So the, uh, what, what I've taught when I've taught entrepreneurship, um, 
the best, I, I, I think the best place to start is in your value prop. Okay. Uh, because, and it's, it's in the center of the business model canvas for a reason. Because if you don't have a value prop, then you really don't have a business. Okay. Um, or you don't have one that's, you don't have anything that's going to stand out. So for instance, if your value prop was, and I know it's not, but if it were like, I really fix your grammar, like, well, mm -hmm. that's not a great value prop, or at least that's not a unique one. Yeah. So what, um, so the value prop is, you might, you might've heard it called your, like, um, your vet, your unique value proposition. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. So it, it's what makes you, you, it, it's, it's going to be what makes your service different than all the rest, even if gotcha. it's something similar. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go around the wheel and just briefly tell you what those are, but I want to come back to value prop tonight for sure. Okay. All right. So key activities, key resources, that's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Activities are what are you doing and your resources are, what do you need to do it? Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Key partners. Um, you're probably not going to have too many key partners besides me right now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but these are going to be people who are um, you're partnering with uh, business associates, affiliate uh, associations, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cost structure is going to get into your offerings. So in cost structure, we're going to talk about what packages are you offering? We're going to talk about um, why anchoring is so important. So, so we're going to present three offers. We're going to yeah. try and drive, the leads to the middle one, which should be the most desirable for you. Gotcha. And we can talk about how to do that because that's the old Goldilocks principle where people will say, ah, oh, that, that one on the left looks a little cheap and I can't afford the one on the right. I'm going to go with the one in the middle. Gotcha. So we'll talk about ways of focusing on that. Revenue streams. Uh, that's, that's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, you're going to be doing client work. Um, you're also going to be probably selling some items. So your royalties would be a revenue stream. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, customer relationships. So this is just going to be the type of relationship you build with, with your clients. Uh, I, I have a feeling that at least in the very beginning, it's going to be very intimate, very personal. You're going to have, you know, very tight relationships with people, um, as yeah. opposed to, you know, like selling an online course where you might not ever see the customer. Yeah. Uh, channels are going to be um, distribution channels. Okay. So this is this is not necessarily how you're advertising, but this is how you're selling. So okay. uh, you're looking at sort of selling directly right now. You're you're going to have people come to your website. Eventually, you're going to have a system in place that will allow them to pay you, uh, gotcha. and that will be your sales channel. Okay. Customer segments is important because um, that's where we're going to talk about your archetype. Okay. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to figure out exactly who is going to come to you for this service. And that's a, that's a tough one to crack. And, and um, you know, and, and you might have multiple customer segments, but identifying that person and then visualizing that person, much the same way when you write a story, you're writing it for a person or yeah. an archetype, it's going to be the same thing. So I can tell you like my customer archetype, my customer segment or my main customer archetype for my client work are um, it's mostly people between the ages of 30 and 60, mostly women, mostly people who have a full-time job, but enjoy writing. Uh, they usually have discretionary income. They can afford to pay uh, for a hobby or a passion. They want to become a full-time writer someday, but they're, but they're not quite there. And they've probably published between three and six books. 
So they are, uh, they know sort of what they're doing, but they also want to level up and they want to take their writing to the next level. Okay. So I've, over time, I've developed that. I've figured that out. That's, yeah, that's yeah. who I'm dealing with. I'm, if I were to guess, I would say your customer segment is probably going to be very similar to that. Yeah. Um, but we can even refine it even more because I think my hunch is you're going to have certain genres, certain genre writers who are going to be more your archetype than others. Yeah. I'm thinking romance could be a huge archetype for you because the language and the characterization in those stories is, is more critical because it's so character driven yeah. compared to a plot driven epic fantasy, for example. Yeah, yeah. All right. But tonight I want to come back to value prop. So oh. tell me, and don't be humble, but tell me what you're offering that's going to be different from what I can get out there already. That's funny. You call it humility. I call it self-debasing. Um, <laughs> I feel that I can offer um, writers coaching and character development and voice um, in a way that other people cannot. How? That's a good question. Um, and I'm stuck here because there's a couple, you know, like I could, I worked with, um, one person, Janet to like pre-build characters mm. and I was doing it and she found it super helpful, but as a good coach, I'm like, I'm not actually helping you. Why would you think that? Because she needs to discover the character as she writes it. Ah, okay. So what I did mostly for her was inspire her to move. Okay. Right? Like cause she's frozen. She's, she can't, she has a book. She doesn't like it. She like wants to bring a new character into it. She has no idea where to go. So like I can help her brainstorm through a character but in the end, that brainstorming is just a starting place and it's not actually going to help her write her book. Yes. It gets her moving, but it doesn't help her long-term. Right. I might be able to, but what I could do, what, it, what I think it does do is help her think about characters differently, which is positive coaching. So um, where I feel like I've actually brought value um, to the, you know, I've done seven now. Um, which just for recording sake, before we started doing these, you encouraged me to just go help some people to kind of like figure out where. So I've done seven people now. Um, I feel like where I'm really bringing value to people is when they have something written that isn't working uh-huh. and helping them understand how developing their characters um, can get their work moving. Mm. so they need to have like they need to have something that they're stuck with and under and helping them understand like okay if you zoom into this character right here you're you can move your story forward like if okay. you if you take time to spend with your character and this element of your character's personality and voice you can you can bring all of this great depth to the story that isn't there at the moment. So um, 
I'm thinking about like I was working with uh, Alicia, um, and I don't mind saying these because they let me put the videos of me working right. on the site, so I can, you know, uh, you just go watch it. Uh, so <laughs> I was working with Alicia, and she has this really great oppressed character, um, but she was getting stranded in the writing because the voice was becoming whiny. Mm. So what we actually did was talked about the voices surrounding the oppressed character and changing their voices so that the oppressed character isn't whiny anymore. Because like when the surrounding character voices change, the character doesn't sound whiny. Now the character sounds troubled yeah. and stuck. So like, that's where I feel like I can offer value is helping writers understand their characters. On, ooh, maybe that's it. Helping writers understand their characters and character voice on a deeper level. I, th I want to ask you another question. That's good. We're built. Yeah. We're going to build on this. I want to ask you another question because uh, I think I know you well enough by now to know that uh, I'm going to have to pull this out of you, but this has to happen. Okay. Why you, Jeff? Why you specifically, Jeff Elkins? Why are you the guy? For a reason. Um, <laughs> I bring nothing special to the table. That's absolutely not true. That's, <laughs> that's always my gut reaction is like, I, I don't know. You're right. We should hang out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think um, if I think about what's unique about me that's brought me to this place where other coaches haven't come, um, there, I'm, I am not the best writer. That's not it. I'm not the most successful writer. That is absolutely not it. Um, I have had a unique life experience that has put me into multiple cultures around the world. Um, and not just around the world, but in the United States, right? Like I, I grew, spent elementary school in an academic town where all of the kids I grew up with were, their parents had PhDs. Right. And then I moved from there to inner city, New Orleans, and I lived for four years in an all African American school where I was like one of 10 white kids in my graduating class and um, saw the world from a completely different view. And then I went to college in Texas at a religious school where like all of a sudden I'm with middle to upper middle class um, rural and suburban Christian kids that also see the world in a completely different way. So it's not necessarily the places I've been that are important, but I've had a life of having to code switch, yeah. which has made me deeply empathetic to other people. Like I've, I had to grow up learning how to speak other cultures. Why does that empathy matter? Em empathy is the most important thing for character voice. You got to feel your character. You got to know what your characters are feeling at that moment for their voice to be authentic. Otherwise all your characters end up just sounding like you. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't, and you can play tricks, like you can make other versions of you, but if you can't get behind someone else's eyes, you can't write characters that like, and I know that I know can't and like can't and you know, is a hard word. That's not ever true. Like, yeah. <laughs> the the absolute is never true um so, so, 
so it's that like but just to express like because you can you can learn to do it and you can learn the literary tricks and you can learn the like games we play with character voice that drag out character voice but it is that like there's you can tell when somebody empathizes with their character yeah you can and, feel and the um in addition to your life experience and your upbringing i think is as much as you can or are comfortable, I'd like to. I'd like to see more. I, I'd like to see more of what you do in your day job. I because it yeah. is directly relevant. I mean, I, I'm trying not to give you your value prop. I'm trying to get get you to come to it. But I, I hope I hope you're starting to see what kind of the unique position you're you're in, given your upbringing, your experience, and what you're doing now. I don't think there's anybody else who's more qualified to do what you're doing than you are. And so that might not necessarily come out explicitly anywhere, but I think as you have to internalize that as your value prop because any writing coach can help someone with dialogue. That's not what you're doing. Okay. Right. You, you are, you are teaching writers how to speak through a character's voice. And that is different than teaching someone how to write dialogue. Mm. Now, the shorthand is dialogue because that's the language writers use, but, but that's not your, that's not your value proposition because there are a lot of people who can do that. But I, I think you are perfectly positioned and uniquely qualified. And, and I, I know we haven't talked about this, but I know you have a background in working with uh, kids and youth, right? Yeah. So, and that's just more of the background is that like, um, you know, spending 15 years working for churches, um, but not in the traditional role of like, I'm on the stage speaking to people, mm -hmm. but in the role of like, okay, I would just find the, like, I use the phrase change manager, but the truth is my role was, you know, the, the, sorry, it's, it's weird to talk about this because organized religion is such a mess and such a like a weird, hot topic. Um, you just say what you're comfortable with. It's totally fine. Yeah. So and I'm I less worried. I'm always more concerned about other people's comfort. Like <laughs> I'm comfortable talking shit all day. I'm, I'm nervous about like how I'm gonna make other people feel. But so there is that. Like my my job in churches was, um, we have this organized religion happening on one side, and then on the other side we have this ethos, this philosophy of we're supposed to be taking care of people. Mm. So Jeff while we do our religious services, would you please go take care of people and not just take care of people, but like organize systems that empower everyone else to take care of people as well. Mm, so okay. my job in the church world was also unique and very different. Mm. And that there's, there's not very many people who did what I did who would like ignore the trappings of religious institutionalism and the history of what they were and take a white canvas and say who needs service and assistance and how do we take our resources to provide that um and so it my role even in church work was i need to get into the people in need i need to figure out what their real needs are and understand them and then I need to apply the resources, the people resources we have to those needs. So it put me with kids, 
right? Like, and multiple types of kids, like kids that were affluent and in strong families or in strong families and in middle class. And then kids that were like barely surviving in deep poverty. And it put me with like homeless people who were struggling with addiction or not struggling with addiction, right? Like in sitting down with those two types of homeless people and trying to understand their circumstances as different. Like the one struggling with addiction needs a whole different type of recovery than the one who is down on his luck and is temporarily homeless than the one who's struggling with mental health issues. And like has a pattern of homelessness because the mental health issues are dominating life, right? Like, so getting into what most people would just see is like, these people are homeless. Like going into that population and digging into each individual person and saying, why are you homeless? And why are you homeless? And why are you homeless? And understanding their life story and who they are and like seeing the world through their eyes and then helping them come find some kind of healing. Um, well, that was my job and not just, yeah. but with like radically like elderly and disadvantaged youth and anybody in society that had need, the churches I worked for were like, go figure out how we can care for them. So um, you've got, you've got two layers there. You have this wide spectrum of people that you helped in all ages and socioeconomic status and, and ethnicities and races. But you also have this, other layer, which is you, you're a teacher. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think you can take that for granted. Like whatever you want to call it, facilitator, change manager, it's a teacher. And, and that combination is also pretty rare where, you know, you have someone who is a, a specialty area, specialty area expert and also can communicate that to other people. And I think if we're talking about what makes me different and just like being raw about like why I'm suited to do this is that I, I don't think of myself as a teacher because I think coming from religious institutionalism, the teacher is the person who's giving other people information. Mm. Um, and I don't find value in that. Yeah. I find value in coaching. Like that works. Yep. Yeah. I want you to be changed at the end of our time together. Like, so like if if I, I don't necessarily want to teach you, like, I don't want to write a book about the five principles of dialogue. Yeah. That I, yes, I can do that. And that would be great and fun. And like, I was reading Robert McKee's book uh, that you recommended. And I was like, sorry, it's right there. And I was like, like this thing is a masterwork. Like, so you're like, no one needs to write anything about dialogue ever again. But (laughs) at the same time, it's like, I don't want, I don't want to write this book. Yeah. Like I want to sit with 30 people one at a time and help that person understand their characters and really like, you know, this is going to sound grand and weird, but like understand humanity on mm-hmm. a, in a way that makes them a better writer. Yeah. Like, and a better person. And a better, really? like, well, I mean, you know, we all, I started, I don't know. I can't say we all, I started writing as anxiety relief. Mm-hmm. So for me, writing is about being a better person. <laughs> So like part of me wants to apply that to everybody. Like, no, if we can just write a character that's not like us, you're going to be so much better in society. Yeah. It's the truth. (laughs) So there is that like kind of hidden agenda of like, I can help you be better. Um, just by loving other people in a different way. Uh, so, but yeah, but that being said, like I would lean toward the term coach over teacher, um, because I do want to get like 
into your skills that you can then go and apply later. Yeah. 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 Well, that's great. I mean, that, that, that is your value prop. Um, so that's, I think what would be a good idea is, um, are, are you doing this on, are, are you going to do a business model canvas on paper or on the computer? Does it matter? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Okay. So it, um, it would do whatever's comfortable for you, but what I'd like to do is kind of build on it every, every time we talk. Okay. So um, as you think about it, process, keep, a, keep just a working document. It's going to constantly change. Okay. I, I keep, I keep these, I, I call them BMCs for short and, and my BMCs, you know, almost weekly I'm tweaking, adding, changing, revising. It's, okay. it's sort of a good way to kind of keep your, keep your North star, you know, keep you pointed okay. in the right direction. I think what I'd like to do the next time we talk is I want to go, I want to talk more about the customer segments, okay. which is going to be, you know, the, the, the archetype. And so that, that Coursera video, I think will give you some, um, some, some good uh, info there. And then I also want to make sure we hit the website sales copy. So okay. I might, I might recommend um, a story brand for you. Uh, story brand has like a, like a, a, a character journey map for business okay. and the big, the overall concept with that is that the customer is the hero and you are the guide. Gotcha. And so when we go back and, and it's not time yet, so it doesn't matter now, but when we go back to the website, we want to, we want to have the language as such so that the person visiting it is seeing themselves on the page there. I love that. All right. So if you That's think brilliant. about like, um, like the, the opening would be posing the problem your archetype has. I'm, I'm just riffing here, but like the uh, right below the fold, the first copy on your website could be something like you wrote that dialogue for the fourth time and it still sounds wooden. Oh uh, yeah. You know, like we want to, we want to put them into, into that. And, and so what you're doing is you're saying, uh, here's your problem. I'm, I have the map. You're going to walk it. You're the hero. And so we're going to remove a lot of the eyes and we's on your website and we're going to do more use. I love that. So that. Those people are kind of seeing like, okay, you're confused or yes. And then you are going to have the roadmap that they need. And, and I think the story brand, it's a, it's sort of like a business model canvas. Um, I did one for my business too. I think you'll find it really interesting. I'll send, I'll put that in the notes too. Okay. Definitely check out the story brand because that's going to, for the external communication, that's really going to help you kind of frame the hero's journey for your customer. Nice. Oh, that's a Donald Miller thing. Donald Miller. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love Donald Miller. Yeah. I, I've, I've been listening to his podcast for years. Nice. Uh, this, the story brand book is great. It's an easy read, Okay. Um, but he's got, he's got the free downloadable worksheets for the story brand that you can, uh, that you can use Perfect. that will really help you kind of shift the language more, more focused towards your customer. Yeah. Hero. Do you ever read Blue Like Jazz? I haven't yet, but I've got it on my list. I because he's a great writer. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's a really good writer. Blue Like Jazz is fantastic. Yeah, it's super quirky. Yeah. Um, and I wish he had drawn conclusions at the end. He does not. Is that maybe I have read it? Is that is that the one where he's talking about when he was living on the West Coast? Yeah, it's his struggle with organized religion. No, I didn't read that. I read, I read a, 
a different one. It was a memoir, but it was not that one. Yeah, he's got another one called Chasing Dragons. That's the one I think. Yeah, I that's okay. his one about like uh, it launched his like fatherhood initiative that he did yeah. under Obama. Um, yeah. Okay. But uh, Blue Like Jazz was his first book, and it was his like struggle with who he wanted to be in the midst of growing up in institutionalized religion mm, and it's it's okay. a fascinating him like it's a fascinating book i mean it spoke to a huge section of america that was yeah. like there the was like i like the philosophy of this thing but the practice sucks ass so like, <laughs> yeah and it's funny he went to this big um he's got a chapter in there where he went he goes out to pizza with this what he calls him the cussing preacher and he's so fascinated by this guy that'll break the rules but like yeah is still this like pinnacle that cussing preacher is a super became a super famous preacher named mark driscoll who was out in seattle and then had a huge scandal oh no <laughs> like, fell from grace. so like it's crazy donald miller has dinner with him when he's got like 10 people in a room and after donald miller has dinner with him and writes about him from for other reasons driscoll blows up to like having twenty thousand people into a room Oh, and then wow. he goes back down to like 10 people in a room. It's just a weird, it's a, such a weird moment in history. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, it's a strange, but yeah. So sorry. It's a great book. Cool. Um, yeah. Sorry. That's a huge random tangent. Nah, it's cool, man. Um, okay. I'll check out the story brand and I'll start putting together um, the chart. Uh, and, um, and you'll give more chapters for me to read. Yep. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> awesome. All right, Jay, thanks so much. All right, buddy. I'll catch you next week. Yeah, bye. Yep. If you'd like to know more about starting an author business or improving the one you have, go to theauthorlife.com.